Tonight on this special edition of Poetic Justice, we'll be discussing my upcoming third book coming out January 31st, The Life or Death Reason I Wrote It for America, the reason that this book will not be in any physical form, why I feel this book will profoundly change society as a whole, why I feel it's the one and only solution to the race problem in America, and the only way that you can have your own copy sent straight to your email inbox. Thank you for joining us. Hello everyone, uh, I hope everyone is having a good whatever time of day it is out there. I'm very glad to have you with us. I'm your host, The Stormy Poet, and tonight's special program is being hosted because I wanted to break down something you have all heard me mention for months in my various programs. Uh, by the way, this program is tonight is brought to you by TheStormyPoet.com and RootOfAllLove.com. Um, while we're at that, mention websites and whatnot and social media platforms. Uh, if you would go ahead and hit that like button for me and um, hit the subscribe button if you have not. And make sure you set your notifications to all so that you can get updated on everything that we post here on this particular channel. Um, and I appreciate that. What did I want? What I wanted to cover tonight. Though, and it's tonight on my side, it's about uh, 12, 22 a.m. Um, all Everybody who knows me knows I'm a night owl. Um, I finally get a, a chance to record in this. I've been meaning to for a while, but I've been getting some last minute editing done with the book. But what I wanted to cover tonight was my upcoming book, uh, which is entitled uh, Code of Conduct Suggestion Guide for Surviving, Comprehending, and Fully Dismantling Systematic Racism white supremacy and the subtitle is for bloodline successors of African US slaves and classified non-whites and what I wanted to cover is what I felt was I felt this was a very important piece to cover because it's something that's well first of all this particular type of literature is out of my comfort zone uh, I really am more of a poet and a narrative writer but I felt it was my duty as a writer to get this message out to the people in servitude. But I wanted to use this edition, um, tonight's edition of the uh, Poet and the Justice to emphasize why I feel it by far is one of the most essential and vital, important, vitally important books you will ever read in terms of whether or not black people will go extinct. And I'm not being hyperbolic in saying that. I mean that quite literally. I truly did write this book out of a spirit of urgency with that notion in mind. Um, so without any further ado, let's get right into the nuts and bolts of what this book is comprised of. Now, what this book is about is a lot of the, well, the majority of the time, I would actually say, there are a lot of discussions taking place in various forms uh, all around us, whether it be at the workplace, whether it be in politics, um, um, whether it be amongst each other, 
friends, uh, family, things of that nature. When it comes to racism in America, we are always, you always hear people saying, well, we need to be willing, we need to be willing to have these tough discussions. Um, and in my humble opinion, um, or not even my humble opinion, this is just uh, needs to be said, I feel. We've had enough discussions about racism, systematic racism, institutionalized racism, whatever you want to call it. It all goes back to white supremacy. And I can't tell you over the years, uh, especially um especially working at certain job places, I can't tell you how many times over the years we've had, you know, the diversity and inclusion thing, which is really kind of a load of crap. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard politicians talk about uh, how bad things are for the state of, of black people. And while we need to address these issues and we need to have tough conversations, we've had, um, we've been having these conversations since slavery. Um, you always hear about how bad things are for black people in the poor state that they're in, but never is there any solutions to it, or at least there's very people, very few people talking about actual solutions that are not symbolic, that can actually tangibly be measured. So really this book was born out of just a, at least my personal frustration. And I know a lot of other people are as well, but it's basically, I, I wrote the book out of the spirit. I'm just tired of talking about it. What step-by-step -step method are we going to use to actually abolish and eradicate the system of white supremacy as a whole? I don't mean just here and there in little pockets. I mean, how are we going to take down this whole white supremacist apparatus especially here in america because i really think it i think it will start i honestly do believe that it will start here in america if it ever happens um so really it was just born out of that how do we how what step-by-step -step methods do we take to topple this regime and i really didn't see anything out there like that step-by-step -step instructions to follow um the closest thing to that would have to be neely, neely fuller's compensatory code um very excellent well done detailed book on how to dismantle white supremacy and practices that we each as individuals uh can perform on a daily basis to weaken the system essentially and, and ultimately eradicate it as a whole um I really like that book and I respect Neely Fuller. Uh, there was some, there were a couple things in the book I didn't agree with. That doesn't mean I don't respect him and the work that he's done. I would not have this level of understanding of for racism and why our lives are the way they are had it not been for Neely Fuller. So no disrespect to a true elder. Um, I just felt that there were some things that weren't covered in the book and he's even said, you know, if I'm just one man. I don't get everything perfect. If you feel like there's something I missed, then that's definitely a good thing. And that's how you're supposed to, it's, as a wise person, you're, that's how you're supposed to operate. You're not looking to be all knowing. There's probably some th things in my book that I didn't um, take into account, which is perfectly fine. Um, I don't know everything, but 
one of the things about the compensatory code is I felt it I felt that um, a couple of the things need to be simplified and not to say that um, the people reading it, black people wouldn't understand it, not to insult intelligence. I just feel we live in an, we live in an era where we need quick and concise information and we need things in a very concise and compact form and we need to be able to retain information extremely quick. And I just know that unfortunately the, um, attention span of the masses is very short so this book is very short you probably can get through it in an hour uh it took my editor a total of about three days to completely edit it which is extremely short if you know anything about writing a book and publishing it the book is 53 pages um and most of the space of those pages is taken up by the actual code it code of conduct itself which is number bullet points uh because you have to put spaces in between each number bullet point but i felt that there needed to be something that even a child could pick up and read it and understand what they are to be doing on a daily basis how they are to conduct themselves it's written in very simple language um and before I go into the, the code of conduct in the book, I make a very compelling case as to what's really going on around us as far as white supremacy, how deep it goes, how entrenched it is in every which way we live life, all of us, and how it specifically affects black people in this country in America because America of course is the belly of the beast as far as global white supremacy is concerned so I wanted it to be very applicable very straightforward and to the point the book itself is not that long the wording and the material itself is not very long however um, and this kind of leads me into my next uh, the next point I wanted to make of why it only will exist in an electronic form. The reasoning behind that is number one, I wanted it to be extremely, uh, um, I wanted it to be extremely accessible. Um, just to let you know, it's going to be in a PDF form. And the reason I wanted to do that is because if you find something in it that you feel someone else needs to know, or uh, your family, or your friends, or your spouse, or whoever needs to know, or your children. I want it to be able to be easily shared. Whether it be through a file you send through your phone, whether it be an email, um, if you wanted to share the link, I want everyone to have easy access to it. A book, you have to go through a publisher and you have to go through distribution. And then, you know, you have to, if if it's an ebook, you have to go through Amazon, you have to do all this XYZ. And I didn't want that. I don't want that. I wanted it to, to be easily accessible from anybody with an internet connection and a device that gets on the internet. I want it to be very assess accessible across platforms. Um, so regardless of which email um, service that you're with, you'd be able to get it in your hands very quickly. Again, we live in times where we need quick, accessible, concise, and readily um, readily, readily available information. 
And that's what this book is. It's very short, sweet, and to the point. I do not mess around. I am not, I do not, I'm not wordy in this book. Um, I'm not trying to sound like the most articulate guy in the room. I'm not trying to uh, use puffery. I'm not trying to use really big words. I'm trying to get information out as quickly as humanly possible. That's what this book is designed to do. Also, while it is not very long, well, another thing I wanted to incorporate is I wanted to be, I wanted the book to be interactive. I wanted the book to be interactive. If you're reading a physical book, um, yeah, they might say something and they might cite a source and whatnot. But honestly, again, the general masses have very short attention span. Who's going to sit there and verify every source uh, that or every claim that you make? Who's going to go and just stop the book and just go look that up? Um, and especially not each and every one of them. So what I wanted to do is treat this book like an article that you're reading in like a, um, you know, a news site or something like that. So there are a lot of hyperlinks in here. And the reason I wanted to do hyperlinks is because I know that uh, when it comes to talking about racism, if you're actually talking about it in a very honest and matter factual manner and you are actually talking about solutions for it. the general general population doesn't want to hear that the general population doesn't want to hear that it's either because um if you're a black person you don't want to accept just how dire the situation is and how greatly in danger you and your people are and you want to bury your head in your sand and bury your head in the sand and you just don't really want to have to deal with it or you're either white and you're enjoying uh, the white privilege that white supremacy comes with and provides and all the unearned goodies and giveaways and all the privileges and all the um, how the society is rigged in your favor and you just really don't want to do nothing about it. Um, and you just kind of like you'll sit around and talk about how bad it is and all oh, you black people are just in such a bad situation and it's so bad and. You know, that's it's just such a shame, the disparages that these community They'll love to sit around and talk about that, but when it actually is, when it's time to give up those privileges, it's like, well, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know that that's the way that we do. You know, other people have problems too, you know, it's not just you guys, and you start getting into that talk. So, I want to, if you're reading, if you're reading this piece, if you do get the book and you read it, and let's say there's something that, you come across where you're like, well, that can't be true. And that sounds like an, that sounds like an overstatement. And you're just exaggerating stuff like that, that I knew would people would try to, um, say I was exaggerating. I've linked studies. I've linked articles in there that further prove the case for each point that I make. Um, there's actual videos that you can watch. And here's the thing. Um, I saved all those articles in PDF form, so it's not like it's not something like where let's say the website goes down for you know if I linked it to a site um, like Washington Post or something like that. It's not something where if they change the site up or take off the piece, where it ever goes away, because I linked everything to to my doc drive. So it's going to be there forever. If there was a YouTube video. Or something I found to be um, very informative and that further proves my point. Some of the videos are an hour long. It's various videos from various people. It's various sources. It's not any, uh, just one particular thing. 
this is years of research and studying being put into this piece. These are things, there's some of the stuff I wrote I learned years ago and I'm like, oh, I remember that presentation. Let me go and find it on YouTube. And I, you know, download the MP4 and it's in my drive. It's gonna be there forever. People who read this book 10, 20 years from now are gonna be able to still access that. Which is the beauty of it, which is the beauty of having an electronic format. It's interacting, you're learning as you go. If something sounds like I'm just reaching and you wanna go verify it, you can click on that link, it will pull up the video. It will be further evidence to make my case on just how serious the situation is for black people here in America and why we need to focus solely on us. There are no social issues that can't be traced back to white supremacy, white supremacy here in America. There are zero, there are none. And the book makes the case for that. The book makes the case for that. I thought about doing a book um, right after this one, but then I kind of canceled that idea because I really felt like the, the case that I made in a little very short amount of time kind of proves that nothing, un, nothing in uh, our society exists within a vacuum. There's no situation that exists within a vacuum, whether it be sexism, whether it be classism, which I'll go back to white supremacy. And a lot of people know that and still don't want to do anything about it because damn it, white privilege is addicting as hell. But this book is completely electronic. Um, it'll be in PDF form. Everyone pretty much should have access to Adobe. Um, I mean, it's on phones now. I don't think that should be a problem. If you'd like me to send it in a different format, I mean, I can. Um, but pretty much everyone should have access to it if you have a mobile device or if you have a desktop device. So accessibility was really big for me and I wanted to be interact. I wanted it to be interactive. I wanted it to be something where you learn as you go. And to my knowledge, I don't know anything out there that's like that. I don't know any document that breaks racism, white supremacy down like this, where you're learning as you go. There's, it's not just my opinion. It's not just me and my perspective. It's, it's, other people, what other people are saying as well, that make a case that make a case for this, and what a huge problem this is for humanity as a whole and the planet as a whole. It's not just me saying this. It's not just my opinion. Hell, a lot of the stuff I hyperlinked in there was from white-owned publications: Washington Post, New York Times, in, in, uh, NBC News. I mean, a lot of stuff was from those sites that even they had to kind of concede, okay, you know, this is an issue here. And it could be traced back to this. I was very meticulous with the sources that I got. I know NY Times has their propaganda. I did a, uh, a podcast not too long ago breaking that down. But every now and then you get a writer in there speaking some truth and you got to find the truth buried amongst the lies so to speak. So that's why it's an electronic form. Um, again, uh, you'll retain the information a lot better that way. Uh, so don't come crying to me. Can I get a physical signed autograph? I don't 
I'm not doing any of that. I This book is not about me. This is not about my ego. This is not about uh, bringing a name to myself as an author. This book is strictly about what we need to do to end racism right now. What every person can do. I'm not talking about organizations. What you join in an organization, anything like that. I'm talking about what each individual person can do on a daily basis. What you can do. Um, another reason I did this book is because as far as black people... Uh, you've heard the term ADOS, of course. That's uh, a part of the mainstream news now. It's mentioned in the mainstream news. You've heard the term foundational black Americans. That's Tariq Nasheed's uh, terminology that he came up with. Um, I came up with my terminology uh, basically because... Basically because I want it to be original. I don't want to take from other people's stuff and try to make it mine. I don't like doing that even though we mean the same thing um but also i wanted to be very descriptive as far as us being the bloodlines assessors that it's in our dna and that it's in our blood and that we should take pride in that we should take pride in that and we should also understand what what the white supremacists feel is a threat to them and it is our blood it is our dna um And as far as they're concerned, the way that they see it is that we are pretty much an obsolete workforce. As you know, slavery is what built, is really is what allowed America to become the economic, it's really what made America the economic superpower that it is. And I'm talking about chattel slavery, but I'm also talking about sharecropping, things of that nature, which was basically what slavery 2.0. So... What you're seeing now is uh, black Americans, native blacks, I'm not talking about immigrants and uh, people who immigrate over here. Black Americans who descend from slavery, we're the descendants and basically the survivors of that era. Um, once Once we built the wealth up for America, there really was no need for us here anymore. To the white supremacists, pretty much at this point, we're just taking up space and resources. That could be in their hands. So once we built up, once we built up the wealth for America, what more need was there for us to be there? That's why we were brought over here to begin with. That was their intent for having us here to begin with. So now that we've done that, and this is why you see uh, all the cities across America being gentrified to hell, is because they're trying to cut us off. They're trying to basically clear us out of the cities. They don't want us in the cities. Their ultimate goal is really kind of just to push us in the wilderness, into the wilderness and let us just kind of die off. Because we're not going to have access to medical. You're not going to have access to the fire department. You're not going to have all these uh, civic access to access to all these civic civil servant, or, um, excuse me, civil services, civilian services. So their ultimate goal, and that's just one method of that, but their ultimate goal has been pretty much just to do a slow genocide and that comes in many forms that comes through economic deprivation which is why all the ghettos across america that they're now moving into and pushing us out of you can do that through police brutality you can do that through uh biological warfare uh look up the tuskegee experiments if you want proof of that you can do it through a number of ways you can 
get the, you can get uh, black people to kill each other off through propaganda. You can deputize civilians to come and murder us. There are a number of ways you can do that. And now that we're that obsolete workforce, they've pretty much been doing that since slavery. Finding ways to kill us off. You can't really do it like they were doing in Nazi Germany. This is too outright. And eventually, uh, the people who you're doing the oppression to are going to rebel against you because you put the, someone's back to the wall. Enough is enough. But, I mean, you really don't have to do that. I mean, you can mentally destroy people, which they've done to most of us. And you can just get them to not fight back, period. And they'll just kind of die off. Black people don't really take this seriously. And a lot of black people have even said to me, why are you so serious? And you're always talking about white supremacy, white supremacy. I, the reason I talk about it and I'm so adamant about it is because in their eyes, war has been waged against. They've waged war against us. A lot of black people don't want to admit that, that war has been waged against your skin color. And in a war, what other more pressing business do you have, honestly? If there's a war that uh, threatens your very existence and the existence of your people, what other more important things are there to discuss in the day? I mean, what is there? If you're in a prison, what other things are there to discuss other than getting out of the damn prison? Which is what white supremacy is. It's pretty much just a giant jail cell as far as black people are concerned. A lot of black people don't want to admit that. A lot of black people, unfortunately, seek white approval because we've been conditioned to do so. Um, a lot of black people just kind of want to bury their head in the sand. They don't want to admit that it's as bad as all that. And they kind of just hope if they mind their business and go to work every day and pay their bills and just not, not be noticed, that it's not going to come for them. You might try to ignore them, but they definitely are not ignoring us. And they're definitely not ignoring you as a black person. You're on their minds all the time. They're monitoring you all the time. They're looking to wipe you out all the time. 24-7, seven days a week. They do not take a break. They don't take holidays. They don't take Sundays. It's a 24-7 campaign against your skin color. Um, I did write this book, of course, for other non-white people. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of them, especially those who Im uh, immigrate here, understand something. Anti-blackness is a worldwide sentiment, unfortunately. It's a worldwide phenomenon. You can go to Mexico, the um, Afro-Latino population there is not even accepted. Never mind that the Africans were the ones who helped liberate Mexico from the Spanish. They're not even accepted there. I want to say, uh, yeah, um, I forget his name, but it was it was the first black Afro-Latino president. He was the first president there when Mexico became Mexico. It was some um, Mexicans who assassinated him because they didn't want nobody black running the country. 
You can find it all around the world. In India, the African immigrants over there be, I don't, I haven't looked into that situation recently, but they've been murdered for being black over there. It's all around the world. So a lot of them come over here with that same sentiment and align themselves with white supremacist ideology against us here, against us native blacks here. And that's a big problem. Not all of them, but way too many of them. All the while not knowing, or some of them do know, but you know, some of them are so eager to get approval from, from the white supremacists over here and to be, uh, to be approved of by whites and to align themselves with the ideology. White supremacy affects all non-white people negatively to some degree or another. Look at what's happening with the kids on the border. If you want a prime example of that, look at how Puerto Rico was treated um, after the hurricane there. But still, you have anti-black sentiment. But understand, all non-white groups are treated negatively by white supremacy. But I wanted to make a book strictly for the Americans, uh, blacks who live here. This is my experience. I grew up in this country. And so I wanted to give that perspective. And as far as the group that's targeted the most, white supremacy is most prevalent over here in America. It's the most efficient here in America. And I wanted to give my perspective as a black person who is living in the belly of the beast. And I wanted my um, fellow native blacks here, as Dr. Claude Anderson would say, to have some type of game plan on how to actually make some progress. Not let's sit around and let's talk about how bad things are. Not let's sit around and let's cry about somebody else being shot by the police. And that, let's not get angry and then just forget about it the next day. Oh, this is, we're being treated so unfairly and this sucks and this is BS. Okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Protesting ain't going to work. Telling how angry you are on social media is not going to do anything. Screaming about how much we forgive white supremacists when they come and kill us and kill our children and making public displays of forgiveness, that's not going to work. Beg <clears throat> excuse me, begging our politicians in power who enact policies that are to our detriment and showing them how human we are and trying to show them how much we're suffering, that's not going to work. They like that. They like seeing you cry and in pain. That's how sick and demonic these people are. That's how sick and demonic and satanic the people who have absolute control and power over your entire life. That's how, that's how they are. Now we need to start taking them seriously because they take us very seriously. Black people are at the bottom in every metric of the society. Education, we're the most incarcerated group, we're the brokest group in America. We're the most unhealthy group. 
Our families are the most broken. We've been psychologically broken. We've been taught to hate everything about ourselves and hate each other. And economic genocide has been committed upon us. And this book breaks down just how bad they want us out of existence. And I'm serious about that, folks. This was a year and a half in the making of, well, really it was about five or six years in the making, if you want to count um, just how long I've been studying this thing. But as far as the composition of it, this was about a year and a half in the making. And I break all this down. I don't leave anything out. Now, just to give you kind of a view of the kind of material that you will find in the book, I wanted to read for you a couple of excerpts from it just to kind of give you an idea of what you're in store for should you get your copy. And the first excerpt is from the section. I say section. It's not really uh, chapters. I don't really like to refer to it as that. Um, it's not following like a plot line or anything like that. Um, and the sections aren't very long, so I can't really refer to them as chapters. But in this particular section, this one's entitled uh, What a White Supremacist Looks Like. And I made this section because the stuff that we're shown on TV whenever uh, they're portraying a racist is, is always this stereotypical frothing of the mouth. Um, raging slave owner who just can't stop saying the n-word or it's a kkk member with a hood on or they show you know people at the clan rally to you know unite the right like what happened in charlottesville they always show you that version of what a white supremacist is and that's very stereotypical and the reason that they show that image is because they want other white people to look at that and say well you know i'm not like that I'm not a frothing of the mouth racist. I'm not, you know, spewing the N word. Obviously, I'm not a racist. I'm not a white supremacist. And I really kind of wanted to just get that myth about of, of uh, and a lot of, I say, I say white people, a lot of black people see that and think the same thing. So I just wanted to totally dispel that stereotype. And I'll read directly from what it, uh, I'll read directly what the quote is. And it says, Tommy Lauren for mocking and making false allegations against those who protest and challenge systematic racism is a white supremacist. John Wayne for expressing his black inferiority views and proclaiming his allegiance to white dominance was a white supremacist. Robert, Robert McNair for viewing the players of the NFL team he owns as mere property and revenue generators, the team being predominantly black and not full human beings is a white supremacist. Ben Carson, now this is a black person. This is not me quoting. This is me talking right now. This is this is a black person. But this shows how black people can be collaborators with white supremacists. Ben Carson, for rolling back the housing department's commitment to protecting African Americans from discriminatory policies in regards to home ownership, is a white supremacist collaborator. Being that he is classified as black, it is impossible for him to be supreme under the system. He can only be a sympathizer and do the bidding of those with power. American slavery, American slavery redlining, Jim Crow, convict leasing, segregation, police brutality, the war on drugs, the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, 
and mass incarceration are all products of white supremacy. Not all racists look like some antebellum South Colonel Sanders, I do declare type of caricature. Not all talk like backwoods hillbillies. Not all of them have swastika tattoos, have a swastika tattoo. Some racists come dressed in suits and ties. Some racists are incredibly articulate and are such excellent debaters that they can even convince people there is no such thing as white supremacy and we all have a little bit of racism in us. Some racists come in white coats as the very doctors we untrust our lives to. Some of them look like some hipster who would serve you coffee or craft brews at some locally owned restaurant. This is the kind of material you'll find in here. I pull no punches. It's all raw. It's all honest. I have no reason to lie. I don't have anything to gain from lying to the people. And I wanted you to hear the truth on that. I wanted to shatter this perception of what white supremacy is because those who practice it hide behind this this veil and what they project to society is oh well you know white supremacy is only relegated to a couple of bigots it's only replicated to a couple of ignorant hateful people who are just filled with hate and they're, they're blind with hate that's who the white supremacists are never mind that um the majority I mean like if you look at how Donald Trump got into office, look at how many people voted for him. People like to rail on Donald Trump and Donald Trump's such a racist. And all. Okay, what about the people who put him in office? The millions of people who put him in office. I know Hillary got the popular vote, but hell, it was enough to get him in office. This is the general... This is the general ideology. This is the this is the general thought process. It's white supremacy of the average white American. It's not just relegated to a few people. Um, this other quote is: How does white supremacy affect non-white people? And B S A U S S, which stands for the bloodline successors, the bloodline successors of African United States slavery. That's my own little acronym for basically those who descend from those who were former slaves of uh, uh, former American slaves, African American slaves. And in this particular uh, excerpt, it says, imagine if, and this is talking about why um, you can't just say, well, let's just forget about slavery. And it was a long time ago and we need to move on and we need to practice love and unity. This kind of touches on that. This kind of touches on this, you know, we just, if we just, if, if, if we want racism to end and, you know, we should just stop talking about it and we should just ignore it. This kind of gets into that territory. And it says, imagine if someone were to cut you with a knife, it would only take a second to inflict that wound, but it may take weeks to heal. Not only that, the cut would need to be tended to and cared for so it wouldn't get infected. And so it would heal properly. Even if systematic white supremacy were to end tomorrow, the many violent, vicious, and deep cuts that had been inflict inflicted on America's black population would take generations to heal. 
the unprecedented and incomparable economic, psychological, and physical damage that exists amongst BS AUSS society is monumentally widespread and massive. Not only must the system of race be abolished and eradicated, but there would also need to be a redress, tending and caring for the wound, corrective government economic action, and other additional remedial measures provided specifically and only for the black people who came out of American slavery. And that corrective action, more specifically, direct cashment cashment payouts or payments to BSAUSS would have to be sufficient enough to where it puts black people in a competitive position with white people economically to compensate for the free African labor that built the wealth in America they benefit from. So this book talks about what we're owed, essentially. The disadvantages that were created for us need to not only be eliminated, we need to be compensated for where we should be at, where we given a fair shot at things. And it's very unapologetic about that. Um, anytime we encounter a politician, um, which a lot of us are not able to, because quite frankly, they don't come around us. They don't come actually... They go around the safe Negroes. They go around the, the uh, church Negroes, and there's nothing wrong with going to church. I'm a believer in Christ myself, but they go around the church Negroes, the, the safe ones, the broken ones, the ones that really aren't about doing what scripture says. They go around them because they know what kind of person that they're going to get. The pimp preacher crowd and they go around them and they put on them you know a church row i think uh peter lane guys who's running for president i think he just did that he was at some church dancing and singing with them um none of those people are going to ask for that they're not going to challenge him on that so it's very hard for them to actually come around uh it's very rare that they actually come around black people who are actually talking about something resembling any kind of code of conduct and actually expecting anything from a politician and actually demanding anything and actually demanding this because this is what we're owed so much less will they demand economic redress and not only is it going to need to put us in a competitive position but it needs to put us at, at an advantage and other groups have gotten stuff was it what they were owed I mean that's their argument to make uh, the Japanese, their reparations for being in those internment camps during World War II, uh, that's their argument to make. The Native Americans, their land allotments, and their economic um, empowerment that was given to them, wasn't enough. I mean, that's their argument to make. We're saying over here on our side, and this is what this book breaks down, we've been given nothing. Absolutely zero, not even affirmative action was just for us. Not even the main beneficiaries of affirmative action were us. The main beneficiaries of affirmative action were white women. So this book breaks down even how you're supposed to act around politicians, what you're supposed to vote for, who you're supposed to financially support, who you're supposed to, who you're supposed to fund, who's the community, who's the community supposed to groom 
to actually go into office. We make the politicians on the community level. We we grow the politicians from our ranks. And then we financially back them. That's what other groups do. Now, um, a couple of things from the self-code of conduct, which there's the suggested code of conduct I think will work best for everybody. But based off, I would say based off the entire, uh, the book in its entirety, um, the case I made for it, uh, the case I made for why white supremacy is as detrimental as it is, but also the rules I think everyone else should follow. I decided to kind of make my own a pledge, if you will, as to what I need to be doing and what I need to be doing to hold myself accountable to those that suggested code of conduct I put into place. And it's not just the code of conduct is not just, um, you know, buy black. It's not just these real simple, you know, um, I don't know, bullet points. It they are bullet points, but I go into depth on each bullet point. Even the bullet points have hyperlinks in them. To show why I'm making this particular case in this particular way and this particular suggestion, why I'm making this suggestion in the way that I'm doing it. But the self-code kind of kind of functions more like that. It's more simplistic things that I myself have pledged to do. I don't expect everybody to pledge to do what I'm doing, but um, if you want to take away pieces from it, you can. Awesome. If it inspires you to do something that's amazing too and that's awesome you're more than welcome to do that and i even say in the book i'm not the this is this document is not the end all be all this is these are just suggestions take from them what you will take what works for you we can always disagree on method but we can never disagree on who the real enemy is but just a couple of bullet points here and um a couple of excerpts rather one of the one one of the rules that I have for myself is it says I will not deny and will instead embrace my skin color and physical features the maker intended for me and others to be. And I will cherish and be grateful to him for these traits. So really what this rule for myself was meant what it was meant to combat was this constant barrage we see from basically every form of media black is evil black is ugly black is dirty black is grungy black is dingy black is violent black is savage black is unholy and this is what i'll tell myself every day in order to combat that lie because that's even if you don't believe something if someone tells you something enough you'll start believing it which is why i don't watch a lot of tv a lot of people think that they're so strong-willed and that they are so um grounded in their beliefs that if they're told something every day they won't um eventually eventually internalize that and it's not true which is why i don't watch a lot of tv i do not watch hardly any tv at all i'll pop a movie in every now and then and i don't i don't real reason I watch a lot of movies is because I, I'm getting something from it. I'm getting lessons from it. I don't do anything just... I don't watch any movie just for entertainment. If I watch it and I'm 
if I watch it and I didn't learn anything from it, I'm not watching it again. But basically, every day you have to tell yourself this because in every in every area of human activity, even going back to grade school, I mean, the people that you were shown to in history books that did all these amazing things, um, and the people that were considered of beauty, you know, going back to uh, the Elizabethan period and uh, going back to the Romans, you know, um, Helen of Troy and all that, or back to the Athens, excuse me, but those were the con- those were the ones who were considered people of beauty. There are no real people who are considered to be so desirous in the history books that were black physically. There was that was supposed to be you know physically attractive. I mean, you have like um I mean, you have the statue of you have the statue of David. You have things that glorify I mean, I know it's a statue about a story in the Bible, but that's you see stuff like that and you see a European um, European features and it, this, it's this brilliant statue and it's done in this manner that glorifies this man I mean where is the black equivalent to that anywhere so even if it's on a subconscious level I mean the people who are considered the most attractive people in the world you know by these magazines and whatnot when are they ever black when do you ever see the uh, black male character in any of these shows getting all the women like that. So we're taught that we're just not desirable, that there's something wrong with our skin. There's something wrong that, with the skin that you're in constantly, all our lives. Never mind we were the first people on the planet. Never mind that. Never mind that we were made in God's image. Never mind all that. So that's a rule I made for myself. Um, The book also says, I will bravely fight for my people in any way that I am capable, even in the face of danger, protest, slander, and the loss of relationships. Basically meaning I'm willing to endure all that for my people. I'm willing to carry that cross because I'm strong enough to do it because I'm a black man. Even when I felt, I, I was listening to this uh, young lady today on her channel, and she's she's 21, I'm 34, and she's already infinitely more wise than I was at like 29, which is embarrassing as hell. But um, I, you know, I was in her comment, or not in the comments, I was in the chat box, and I said, you, "You're already wise beyond your years. That's 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 commendable. That's outstanding. That's excellence." And she even said, you know, I'm so glad to hear that because sometimes I feel alone. Sometimes like I feel like my family doesn't understand my friends. I've, I've lost friends. I've lost um, relationships. I'm lonely sometimes. Uh, people try to convince me that I'm crazy. And sometimes I do question myself. Am I crazy? Am I right or wrong? And I said, I said, expect that. Expect that it's going to come. You're going to be unpopular. You're going to be shunned. People are going to try to ignore you out of existence. People, they do it on my social media all the time. I'll make a post talking about, uh, I don't know, a birthday cake and everybody likes it. 
I'll make a post talking about black empowerment or how we can stop systematic racism, why it's a detriment to the entire planet. Crickets. And every day I make the commitment to myself, which is what the savior would do. Y'all, I'm willing to endure all that. If it means the future generations can do better than this one's doing, so be it. Those who do come in around me, who are in my circle, who are willing to pick up this fight and pick up a shield and a sword with me and to do this combat spiritually, intellectually, and economically, those are the only people you really need. Those are the only people you should really want. And I go more in depth in that uh, inside the book. If you want to learn some more about that. Um, the next thing I'll say here, and it's from the same chapter, is in all statements I make and in all conversations I engage in, I will seek to be as truthful and as factually accurate as possible. If I'm wrong about something, I will welcome any additional information that will bring about clarification. I will also hold other black people to the same standard when they are communicating. Now, I notice I didn't just say communicating to me when they're communicating, period. You know, um, a lot of these uh, self code of conduct appointments I've given to myself, self-appointed code of conduct um, actions, and a lot of the general one that I wrote before that, a lot of them, a lot of these were borrowed from the uh, Viet Cong code of conduct because the Vietnam War is something that really fascinates me because you have to understand Vietnam was this little old nation going up against big bad America, the most powerful military in the world still is. Um, I went over their code of conduct because I always wondered how did this little group of people fend off America? And I just wanted to look into what their, um, what their rules were. Every military in the world has these rules that they, you know, commit themselves to when they join the military. I was interested in theirs because I've noticed all throughout history, it's never been large groups of people that have fended, uh, who have led revolutions and, and fended off these big, powerful enemies. It's normally just been a small, concentrated few. So I went just out of curiosity. I'm like, do they? I just typed in. Vietnam Code of Conduct, and I didn't find anything. I had to get more specific and type in Viet Cong Code of Conduct. And this document popped up. And I encourage you to go look at that. When you, when I read that, I'm like, that's how they defeated America. That's how they were able to last as long as they did. Because understand, in the Vietnam War, there was South Korean and American fighters fighting North Vietnam. Vietnam wasn't really getting soldiers, troops, support from Russia like that. Russia was just financially backing it and was giving them weapons. That's it. And they still got them up out of there. They still got America up, America up out of there. Same thing with the Haitian Revolution. They were whooping all the most powerful militaries in the world's asses. And when I looked, when I looked at what these groups had in common, even the American Revolution, heck, if you want to take it there, you can even look at that revolution. But what I 
saw that all these groups had a common in common was a code of conduct. And I'm like, well, where's the code of conduct from those who descend from slavery? Where's our code of conduct? We don't have one. And I think that's been our main problem. I think that each black person is just kind of living their day-to-day life. And there's no real rule book for them to go by. Not everyone's on the same page. We have different ideas about a bunch of different things. We're all just kind of doing our own thing. I think that's why this beast has been allowed to exist for so long. Now, if we look at going back to the Vietnamese, they weren't high in numbers like that. America was in the millions. The population was still, the, the military was still strong over here. They duped that war out for a decade, man. And came out victorious with smaller numbers. There's 35 to 40, 40 million people who just um, African Americans who descended from slavery. Imagine if even just a million of us had a code of conduct we could follow. Behavior to engage in in our everyday lives that we knew if if Basically, if a black person, a black person living in Minnesota is on the same page as a black person living in Florida. Imagine if a million of us were all on the same page. Which is what scares the living hell out of the demonic, disgusting, despicable disgraces for human beings running this operation. And all those who support them directly or who are indifferent to what they're doing to us. That scares the hell out of them. That's why that has gotten us into these non sequiturs uh, talking about intersectionality and all this this nonsense and diversity and inclusion. That's why they've gotten us off into these conversations that don't really produce anything that really elevates us from our our social situation. They're terrified of the day that we get a code of conduct. They're terrified of the day that we all get on the same page. It doesn't even have to be a million. Imagine if 100,000 of us got on the same page. They're terrified of it. That's why they're so busy keeping you distracted. That's why they're so busy keeping you interested in other people's issues. Issues that don't concern you, like immigration and stuff, and uh, feminism. That's why they're getting you off into these other conversations that don't have anything to do with you. That's why they keep telling you, you're not the only one with problems, you know, buddy. You need to. What about the environment, okay? If you gave us reparations, we could fix the environment tomorrow, but never mind that. Also, to, to, to kind of go back further on that point and engaging in conversations and being truthful and factual accurate this book goes over why we need to drop the ego black people need to strive to be the smartest people in the room especially when we're communicating with each other we need to get used to being wrong and the reason i say that is because our whole lives we've been lied to i've been wrong plenty of times i'll be wrong plenty of times because my whole entire life i haven't been given the whole damn truth from anybody 
My parents were lied to, yours were too. A lot of us don't know what the hell we're talking about. Okay, just accept that and stop trying to hold on to failed philosophies and quit trying to stick to your guns. If you're wrong about something, say, you know what? I was wrong about that. I appreciate you schooling me on that. Go verify it for yourself. There's nothing honorable about just sticking to your guns just for the sake of sticking to your guns. The reason I was able to write this book and the reason I have the knowledge I have now is because there came a point in time where I, I was just like, you know what? I just need to shut the hell up and listen and stop trying to prove how smart I am to everybody. I just need to be quiet. A lot of the brothers and sisters I follow or have gotten my information and news from, I've never really called in or done anything like that. Really do I comment because I don't, I need to just shut up and be quiet and listen. So that I can get the information so that I can go and empower another black person with that information. If you would like to grab a copy of this groundbreaking book, um, it is a Patreon incentive. I do ask that people give it, go and make the commitment to give $5 a month to the Storm Report comp uh, Compositions and Community Media. This helps fund a really noble cause. This helps me get this information out to the masses far and wide and if you think about five dollars that's nothing that's a cup of coffee a lot of us spend that on starbucks every day so it's it's not a huge donation heck i listen to kr and maybe and kr is like well if you send us you know if you become a sustaining member of a hundred dollars a month we'll give you some opera tickets this is a book that's gonna empower you and it's going to add value to your life and it's going to explain to you why all the things that have been happening to you why they're happening it's going to explain to you why black people are in the condition that they're in as a collective and why we're at the bottom of every damn thing you're going to be able to reference it you're going to be able to refer back to it and show this to your friends and family This is how you end police brutality. This is how you end mass incarceration. This is how you end black people being the poorest group in the world. This is how you end street gang violence, homelessness, unemployment of black people, the most unemployed group on the face of the planet. This is how you end all that. Heck, I'm not going to say the Democrats are any better than the Republicans but this is how you get a Donald Trump out of office and you put someone in there who speaks in your best interests this book does not preach a overnight solution this is something that's going to take a while because we didn't get into this situation overnight But this book provides you for that. And all I'm asking is for $5 a month. That's zero. I've, there's people I give monthly contributions to for $40, $50 a month. Just because I believe in them that much. So it's not just me saying, hey, give me your money. No, I, I've made 
plenty of contributions over the years to causes I believed in. A lot of those causes ended up backfiring, but at the particular at backfire backfiring, but in that particular moment in time, I felt it was empowering the people, so I put dollars behind it. Other groups do it all the time. If you look at NPR, I mean, white folks do that all the time. KERA, all the time. If you're interested in making a one-time contribution that I understand, I am on the Cash App. Um, I do have a PayPal as well, which I'll be linking in the description. I don't want to read that long uh, those long links out. I'll put those in the description. I do appreciate that. It helps me fund my own media platform so that I can continue exposing the truth and getting this message out there. Um, but if you want the book, please uh, consider becoming a Patreon member. I'll put that in the description as well. I don't want to put that big long link there for you. I want you to just be able to click on it and do what you need to do. In any case, I put everything I had into this book, my time and energy a year and a half, year and a half's work, and I speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and I have evidence to back it up, and to my white lit audience out there understand something you're more than welcome to listen to this book too this is not just a book I, I did write this book specifically for black people in America who are the natives of who are native Americans native black Americans native blacks I did write this book for them but you can review it as well you can take bits and pieces from it too and if you really are concerned about racism, really want to combat racism, and you have a black friend or you have a black spouse or a black family member and you're really concerned about their well-being, there's things you can take from this book. There's certain codes of conduct you can take from this book to empower the people who've been damaged, every last one of us, to some capacity by that system your ancestors put in place. If you really want to correct that wrong, I encourage you to read this book too. Any non-white person, you can read this book too. White supremacy affects you negatively too, even if you identify with it. Even if you're one of these Latinos that voted for Trump. Even if you're one of these Asians that voted for Trump. Even if you're one of these Africans that voted for Trump. And Puerto Ricans. This book's for you too. That affects us all negatively. And you'll get your wake up call one way or another. It's best to learn your lesson now sooner than later. If you're new here to this channel, um, I try to do this as much as humanly possible. These pro-ethnic justice broadcasts. Um, I've been putting most of my energy into the book. Um, but now that I'm done with that, thank God. I love this P 
piece. It's my baby, but um, everyone gets tired of looking at their baby. I've been looking at it for a year and a half. I'm ready to let the people look at it. I try to do this as humanly much as possible. This uh, episode will be posted on my website, thestormyport.com. I have actual written pieces there. I've been writing extensively against racism, white supremacy for the better part of about three years now. Before that, I was just a people, just learning and soaking up game. But this is the full, this is the, the only piece I've actually written exclusively about it. Um, if you're interested in my other work, A Pale Face for a Collar or Product of the Storm, uh, you can literally just go to Amazon and search the Stormy Poet. It'll pull my Arthur sheet up and you can view both of my books and what they're about. I just recently saw one of my one of my books is in the Fort Worth Library. It's one rotation. I live out by Fort Worth, Texas, which is awesome. And one of them is actually in a local college's library base, which is also really good. Glad to know my materials getting circulated. You're more than welcome to um take a look at that and purchase it if you would like to uh you're more than welcome to go to rootofalllove.com i discuss uh dating and relationships while taking into account systematic white supremacy and what kind of effect it's had on those as well as uh, family relationships and things of that nature um feel free to make any financial contribution of course like i said earlier my links will be in the description if you want to fund this and keep this going it does take dollars to do it. It's not, I can't do it for free. I need equipment. I need things of that nature. And I really want to give this message to the people because regardless of what ethnicity you are, you deserve to know the truth, even if it's the ugly truth. And that's my commitment uh, to bring all of you the truth. I appreciate all of you for joining me today. I hope that you enjoy uh, the piece I've composed and I hope that you are able to take away something of substance from it. This concludes this edition of Poethnic Justice. And until next time, as always, one love and one justice. Peace.